Our scripture reading this morning can be found in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. Again, it's the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 3, verses 1 through 12, and I'm reading from the NIV. In those days, John the Baptist came, preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. John's clothes were made of camel's hair, and he had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. And people went out to him from Jerusalem and, and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. But when he saw how many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance, and do not think you can say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is Already at the root of the tree, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance. But after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn. And burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. May the Lord add blessing to the reading of this his holy word. Let me pray. Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be holy, pleasing, and acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Not quite the um, hot chocolate, marshmallows, and uh, warm fuzzies, is it? (laughs) This gospel reading today. As we approach this Christmas season and as we approach the birth of of Jesus and look forward to, to God's coming to us as the word becoming flesh and moving into our neighborhood, our Advent thoughts turn to, to what we have to do to prepare for this event. So we wait. We wait. We prepare. And we're watchful. A part of that waiting is centered around repentance. You see, I have to prepare myself with this an honest appraisal of my shortcomings. The sins I've committed, large and small, are they really any different? No. As the gospel told us last week, as we, as we looked at last week, we, we never know when the hour is coming. We don't, we don't have to be on the planning committee, just on the welcoming committee. We don't know the hour. But we have to be prepared to meet Jesus wherever and whenever we may meet him. 
And John the Baptist wants us to prepare the way, and, and he's very specific about how to do that. This isn't a beating ourselves up. The waiting of Advent is active. It's not just sitting and fretting. It's an active waiting. It, it is a turning our lives around kind of waiting. If you're like me, you, you don't really like to hear the message from John the Baptist. He, he's asking me to total up all that stuff in my life I'd rather not think about, all, all those sins, and, and I really can't count that high, even if I take my socks and shoes off. I got, you know, I got, I got no capacity for that. He's asking me to think completely different about my life and, and, and the trajectory of it and, and where perhaps it is, it is going. And he wants me to, to turn around and go in a, in a different direction. I've been trying this week to think about today and, and not letting this John the Baptist guy get out of control. <laughs> Bottling him up a little bit. This turning around. At the beginning of the week, I was in a 26-foot box truck in Virginia Beach, driving it at a really high rate of speed so I would not get run over by all those around me in six lanes of traffic when I realized that Sarah, that's what I call my GPS person, Siri, I call her Sarah, when Sarah told me that I was going the wrong direction, you've got to be kidding me. Can I just go on down the road this way? It's going to be a whole lot easier, Sarah, than turning around and going the other way. I thought about John the Baptist. You know, I, don't, I, I, just, I just don't know if I like him sometimes. He's, he's, he's rough. I don't want him to get out of control. But the problem is, he's the poster child for out of control. You know, I, I like to clean him up. I'm sure some of you maybe, you know, like to, like to give him a shave. And I'm not, not, not that much of a shave, just a, just a little shave. Get rid of the neck fur, maybe. Put some fresh clothes on him. You know, let's get rid of the locusts and the wild honey. Here's a fork and a knife. Here's a, here's a linen table, you know, uh, napkin. See, he's dangerous. He's wild. He's out of control. He doesn't live by the rules of polite society. And as a pastor, as a preacher, I'd rather just not have to deal with him. Just keep him over here. I don't want to preach like John. <laughs> If I'm being totally honest and vulnerable, I, I'd, I'd rather be able to tell you charming and slightly amusing stories and, and, and let's drink that hot chocolate this morning. I'd like to wrap the gospel up in a bow and offer it as something beautiful and interesting without making anyone uncomfortable. It is a beautiful story, no doubt. But it is also scary and full of very uncomfortable thoughts and things. 
like that honest appraisal of my life and all those sins that I'm somehow supposed to total up when I realize I can. And, and then I remember what I was taught about, about preaching and what I was taught about speaking. And, and, and that is that part of my job is to comfort the afflicted and to afflict the comfortable. So if you're like me and you just would rather be comfortable for the next few minutes, I've, I apologize. So I'm, I'm able to look at what John says about sin and repentance and think to myself, well, maybe we don't talk about these things often or very seriously. I'll admit, every, every time I, I try thinking only beauty and light for this week and, and, and light and fluffy and John the Baptist kept messing everything up. <laughs> he, it just won't fit in the box of safe and predictable comfortable he wants to afflict us i think i think he wants to remind us that that we are all sinners and that repentance is the medicine for which he insists we hold our noses and take big doses he insists that that god is up to god-sized things still now, here. He's, he's shaking things up. He is the lion and he is on the prowl. And he's asking us to think for ourselves. Maybe, maybe he's asking us to come up with something for, for some statement of who we are and, and where we are and where we are going. And he's okay with just concentrate on pushing us to repentance. We meet John the Baptist at the beginning of, of each of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and, and each of them, he, he's, he's an advanced man for Jesus. He's, he's the, he is the epitome of the modern day hype man, right? And he comes into the territory and he gets people ready to hear what Jesus is, is going to preach. He's sort of a first century interim preacher. He's the warm-up act. He's wild and hairy and badly dressed and does not care. He wanders out of the wilderness eating bugs and honey, but he comes to deliver a very simple message. He's saying God is about to do something big. And John does not want us to be facing the wrong way when it happens. You ever been facing the wrong way when something big happens? I'm a soccer fan, and, and I like watching soccer, the Premier League, English football, if you will, on Saturday mornings with my youngest son, Khalil. And without fault, we'll watch for 20 or 30 minutes, and we'll be into the match, and I'll get up to go pour myself a cup of coffee or something. And as soon as I turn around, I hear Khalil go, oh, man, wow. And I go, what? what? I missed it. Have you ever been facing the wrong way when something big happens? You see, that's what all the talk about repentance in the gospel text that we just read is what it's about. It's, it's about which direction we are facing. It's about where are we going. And are we willing to listen to GPS when it tells us we are going the wrong way? 
and turn around. Because you see, Christianity, this life in Jesus, this life of following hard after Jesus is about being on the move. We are a people on the move. Banner Out Christian Fellowship is on the move. Our city, our town rather, is a town that is on the move. Because Jesus is alive and the lying is on the prowl. We are being challenged as never before to do something new. To move in a new direction, perhaps. And when we read the scriptures, it's, a, it's amazing how many times God's instructions to people are to get up and get moving. He does tell people to sit and wait. But he also tells people to move. Abraham was having a big time in Ur when God came to him and told him to pack up his family, to move out. Moses was hiding out in Midian when, when that burning bush sent him into Egypt to confront Pharaoh. We have our own version of the burning bush, don't we? It's, it's in our gathering together in the name of the Holy Spirit to see where God leads us as a church, as a community, as individuals. It makes us uncomfortable. And I would suggest this morning that if perhaps you're uncomfortable, that's okay. Because that's where God is moving. Elijah, the Old Testament, hiding out in a cave because the evil queen had, had a whole army after him. God shows up, listen to Elijah complain a little bit about miserable working conditions. When you're called to be a prophet of God, not an easy calling in life. Not an easy job description. And then he tells Elijah to get up. Get out of the cave and get back to work. Jesus begins his ministry by inviting two fishermen to follow him. Movement. And at the resurrection, he appeared to, to two other men walking to Emmaus and traveled with them. On the road to Damascus, he appeared in blinding light before Saul and sent him off as perhaps the most important traveling preacher in the history of the church. We know him as Paul. Movement. We are a people on the move. And so our waiting isn't sitting on our hands fretfully. Our waiting is serving that kind of waiting in preparedness and watchfulness and repentance and turning because we are a people on the move because God is a person. Or he is the Lord on the move. Our faith is a moving faith. It's a traveling faith. It's an open road faith. I think it's one of the reasons why I enjoy this time of year, every, every year, to get into a truck for a couple of days and be on the road, moving, delivering. Our faith is moving faith. In the early days, it was actually known simply as the way. And so when John the Baptist shows up shouting at us to repent, he's telling us to head in a new direction, off to a new way. In both the Old and New Testament, the word for repent means change direction. Most literally, to go back the way you came. To return to something you left, perhaps. 
The message of this and of every Advent season is to prepare for the coming of the Lord. And preparing for his Advent means being passionate about repenting of sins. So what are we really passionate about? Are we passionate about hating our sins and destroying the destructive and habitual practices that separate us from the love of a holy God? Or do, do, do we deceive ourselves like the religious leaders of John's day into thinking that our status in life or in today's world, our baptism or something is an excuse for sin, for being off the way? Do we model repentance in our homes? We all make mistakes. We, we discipline incorrectly. We say and do hurtful things. But when those things happen, what, what do we do? Dads, do we, do we hide it, hoping that our children and others will forget about it? Or do we face it and turn around into the right direction? Because for all his screaming and wild appearance and, and all the things about John the Baptist that make us uncomfortable, John the Baptist is telling us the most basic message in all of Christianity. Return to God. Go home. We feel the need to return to God because God was not lying when God said in the book of Ezekiel, but if a wicked person turns away from all his sins that he has committed and keeps all my statutes and does what is just and right, he shall surely live. He shall not die. None of the transgressions that he has committed shall be remembered against him. For the righteousness that, has, that he has done, he shall live. Have I any pleasure in the death of the wicked, declares the Lord God, and not rather that he should turn from his way and live? Here's this guy, John the Baptist, out in the desert preaching to all who's gathered, and he says, look, God was not lying about coming to judge. You know all the places in the scripture where the, where the rabbis read about justice and righteousness and the wicked getting what is due to them. Well, God meant that. He does not ignore the wicked and evil people. He, he does not ignore those who turn their back on him. It just doesn't go into some void of some vacuum of space and time. John said he's coming. He has a really uncomfortable message. He's going to burn up all you wicked people like straw and the husk of wheat. So get on the right road. Turn around. You see, this is why I don't like John the Baptist. Are you kidding me, Alan? This is what we're talking about today? Here we are surrounded by Christmas decorations and carols. The Charlie Brown special's been on, I think, you know, with Linus. The joy and the bliss of finding that perfect gift. Some of you set alarm clocks to get up really early on the day after Thanksgiving to go partake in craziness. And then there's John the Baptist yelling at us about repentance and winnowing forks and hellfire. Are you kidding me? It's easy to ignore messages like this. It's incredibly easy not to preach messages like this. 
It's easy to discount them as the ravings of a madman in the wilderness. It's even easier to assume that the real target of the message is everybody else but me. We don't have to try too hard to look around and see someone whom we think is a little more out of step with God's kingdom than we are. If we put our mind to it, we can think of people who could use a little holy fire, a little winnowing. It's easy and tempting to say that John the Baptist came preaching for those people. Oh, yes, those people. Thank you, Alan. You got us off. Nope. It's not what he says. It would be easy to do that if John the Baptist would just be quiet. You see, he didn't say, I'm, I'm just here for the big sinners. You know that thing we like to say? Hate the sin but love the sinner? I don't know that that's biblical. Jesus says, love your neighbor. Because you see, when I'm focusing on loving the sinner and hating the sin, I'm still focused on their sin. And really, it's just code for whatever I want it to mean, whatever sin I'm talking about. Jesus says, love your neighbor. You don't pick who moves beside you. They just move in. John the Baptist didn't say, I'm just here for the big sinners, you know, the big ones, the big guns. The Hollywood, Washington, L.A., you name it. Insert whatever, whatever tabloid, whatever big news headline is on CNN or Fox or PBS or wherever you get your bad news from. He did come to all the people, as our gospel reading Say it says. He did tell them to repent, confess, and get baptized. There were all manner of sinners, as we are. But then the so-called good people showed up, the good people. The gospel says that the Sadducees and the Pharisees come out to, to see what all the commotion is about. And, and they, they found John the Baptist, and he, and he took one look at these people, and he lets them have it. It's not what they were expecting. They were the the religious elite of Jerusalem. They were serious church people. They were good at doing church. They did what God said. They, They never skipped worship. They prayed beautiful and heartfelt prayers. They were from families who had been important Jewish families all the way back to Abraham. They had the lineage. They were blue bloods, if you will. And John the Baptist took one look at them and called them a bunch of snakes. He knew that all their outward religion could not hide the parts of their lives where they pushed God out or ignored what they knew God desired. John knew what the the Old and the New Testament say over and over and over, that we all fall short of the glory of God, that we all sin. We all have this massive debt that we will never be able to pay. Now, like us, the Sadducees and the Pharisees' sins were not big and dramatic. They weren't out in the open, right, for everyone to see. But here's the trick. 
when you're moving, when you're, when you're going along a way, when you're going along the way, when you're constantly in motion, just a few small steps can take you far off track. You see, in a series of directions that Sarah had given me from Banner Elk to Virginia Beach, I missed one turn. That's it. I mean, come on, Sarah. I'm 98% right here. I'm 98% good. I did it all pretty good, except for this one little thing. And it was taking me in the wrong direction. I was going to Norfolk when I needed to go to Virginia Beach. When you start going down the right path with God, we, 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 you know, we follow Jesus for a time, but then we take just one step off the path. And a, and a bit further down, we take another step and then another and then another. And, and, and with each step, we find ourselves moving farther and farther away from the way, from the path. It's why we are referred to over and over and over again as sheep in the scriptures. Because sheep wander. Sheep wander and, and they're eating right here. And then, oh, wait a minute, that looks pretty good over here. And they take a, little, take a little grass from over here. And then, oh, wait a minute, it looks a little better over here. And next thing you know, they're lost. We're sheep. Before we know it, we're over here. And it would seem that Jesus, who we started out following, the way is over there. Before we know it, we've, we've lost sight of, of God's way entirely. We might still be going through the motions, but the power of God's Spirit seems like it's gone. Have we been abandoned? No, never. The good shepherd leaves the 99 and goes and looks for the one. That's value. That's how important we are. John the Baptist came to, to meet the world in these places, in the wild and the barren places, telling us to repent, to go back, get on the road with Jesus again. Return to the peace, to the way. People on the move. Return to God's peace. The peace that comes from the Holy Spirit and is poured out on all who believe. So let us, during this season of expectation, of waiting, of watchfulness, let us seek to find again the one who first called us and follow him. The one who still walks beside us along the road home. Amen.